Welcome to the Weekend Booktopian. I'm Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia, and this is a podcast about the books we're reading. Joining me today, a Senior Content Producer and Editor of the Booktopian, Olivia Frico. Hello, Liv. Hi. Um, we're also joined by Category Manager for Kids and YA Books, Sarah McDooling. Hi, Sarah. Hi. And we are also joined by Business Development and Relationship Manager, Scott Whitman. Hi, Scott. Hi, Mark. Hi, everyone. So first up today, we're going to chat about some book news, then we'll delve into the books everybody is reading and be sure to stick around until the end of the show when my guests will go head to head in a battle for book quiz supremacy that we like to call book fight. So first up, uh, our book news today. Um, the uh, Bad Sydney Crime Writers Festival has awarded their Danger Award for 2020. Uh, Olivia, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Danger Award and who won it? Uh, sure. Um, so this year's winner is Tanya Bretherton, who wrote a book called The Killing Streets. Um, and it's a book about Australia's first serial killer. Um, we do have a blog post from Tanya Bretherton, Bretherton um, where she talks about all about the book um, and basically about, you know, Sydney as well. And, um, you know, Australia has kind of a reputation for like you know, those kind of really creepy, awful serial killers and they were like one in a million, you know. Um, but I had no idea, like we've all heard of like Ivan Milat and all that, but I had no idea about their first one. Um, someone named Eric Craig. So The Killing Streets is all about that. Um, it was back in the Depression, was it 1932, I think. So nobody would have yeah. any memory of it. And Olivia, what I find really interesting about this award is it's even exciting that a book has won it because it's not just an award for a book. It can be for a film or a podcast or a TV drama. So it's uh, it's a double win that, uh, you know, that she won for this book, but also that a book won at all because it's not always a book that wins. Yeah, that's very true. Like true crime podcast supremacy is maybe coming to an end. <laughs> Now, while we're talking about awards for crime books, the Golden Dagger, which is one of the, um, well, the most prestigious uh, mystery award uh, in the world, has been awarded. Uh, Scott, who won it this year? Well, our very own Sydney-based Michael Robotham. It's very exciting. It's, uh, as you said, a big international crime prize awarded in the UK. But it's exciting, not just because Michael won, but he's won for the second time. And it's the first time an Australian author has ever won twice. Back in 2015, he won for Life or Death. And uh, just a few weeks ago, he won uh, this year for Good Girl, Bad Girl. So it's a real feather in Michael's cap, who sells fabulously internationally now, not just in Australia. Uh, his books are not well set in Australia. In fact, most are not. But uh, great psychological crime and really wonderful uh, laurel for Michael to add to all the others he's received. And great for Australian crime writing. There's only, I think, about four or five authors overall in the history of the award that have won twice. But as I said, he's the first Australian to win twice. So it's great for Australian crime writing. Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, who who here uh, has has read uh, Good Girl, Bad Girl? I I haven't. Have. Sarah, you have. I read it. Yeah, I'm a big Michael Robotham fan. Um, I think actually, I was I was thinking about my favorite of his books, and I think actually it probably was um, Life and Death. Like, and I always say it wrong. Sorry, is it Life and or Life or Life or Death? Life and. Uh, life it's and. Life or Death. I think. I always say the wrong one. Yeah. In America. Yeah. yeah. And that was a fabulous book. And I keep and I, I often think about it and consider rereading it and wonder when there's going to be 
a film adaptation because it was just it was so great. But this latest one that he's um, one for Good Girl, Bad Girl is the start of a new series which kind of has spun off from a side character um, of his established um, series. And so I love when a when an, an author like Michael Robotham starts something new. It's really exciting and this series has a, a lot of potential. Um, I haven't actually... Sorry. My phone every time, every single time I say... S-E-R-I-E-S. <laughs> it thinks that I'm talking to it. It thinks, Siri thinks I'm talking to it. Um, apologies, everyone. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Haven't read book two yet, but it's on my TBR and I'm really, really looking forward to that. Well, I have. I've read both. I've read all of Michael's books. And uh, the second one is just as good as Good Girl, Bad Girl with this new cool. series, as you said. A girl who's very psychologically damaged uh, from a very difficult, sad background and uh, she's kidnapped, locked up and now she's recovering psychologically and, and she's uh, taken under the wing of, a, of a, um, uh, an investigator um, who helps her. Anyway, very gripping like all of Michael's books are. You can read them in one sitting. If you've got the time, they're, they're you know, really quite exciting to read and uh, I look forward to the rest of the series. I was sorry he ended his last series, but exciting to have a new one. But, and and mm. the great thing about Michael's books for listeners who haven't read them is even when he's got a series, which, you know, some are, some aren't, you can read them in any order because he's, each one's a standalone case. He's very good at giving the backstory. Uh, obviously, you know, if you have your preferences, it's great to read them in order to, to you know, get the chronology. But you don't have to. You won't feel you don't know what's going on if you read any one and you haven't read the previous one. So he's very clever that way. Yeah, very true. And you can pick up any of his books and enjoy it. Yeah. Now the, exactly. Uh, so well done, Michael, who lives in Sydney's Northern Beaches, by the way. Now, the, the last book news that, that we have for today is unfortunately um, a little bit of sad book news, which is that the author Rachel Kane has passed away. Um, Sarah, could you tell us a little about, about Rachel? This is so sad and um, it's really like, I have, okay, so I have been a fan of Rachel Kane's for a really long time. I remember reading her Morganville Vampire series and just being super obsessed with it. I later got into her um, Weather Warden series, which was adult fantasy, and I re really liked that. And um, she has been writing uh, a series called the the Stillhouse Lake series, which I ha haven't started yet. There's several books out, and I've been kind of really looking forward to beginning it. And then I hadn't realised, but um, she has had cancer for a while now and unfortunately has now passed and it just I don't know it made me made me feel really sad and it made me consider going back and maybe revisiting some of those books she's one of those authors you know she wrote for adults and she wrote for children everything she wrote was just really really magical really addictive she's very beloved and I think it's a, a sad loss um, was was she young uh, no, I don't know her exact age, but I think she was like perhaps near 60. <laughs> I um, need to. Um, I can find out actually. Just, I was just wondering if it was sort of a tragic young age or if she was a bit older. Did you have a favourite so of all her books, Sarah? So she wrote series um, 
And my favourite series of hers is probably one called, uh, I think it was called the Outcast series. It was about, it was one of the ones she wrote in adult, like urban fantasy. I'm just trying to get her, her actual age from Google. Uh, and I'm not... She was 58. Okay, so yeah. Go. Okay, so I was I was on I was right, getting up to well, that is, yeah. and um and yeah. So the the Outcast series was probably one of my favourites. It was a spin-off from Weather Wardens. The Weather Warden series, the the conceit was that there's a kind of um, magic that you can have that allows you to control the weather, and she was just really good at imagining how how if that was a if that was possible, how those people would like run their business and like how it would work. There was also like, um, she also did the same thing in her in her vampire series. If you're like, she was smart at, about her urban fantasy. So like she created a vampire series that was kind of the anti-Twilight where the vampires were definitely not good. <laughs> And it was like kind of a survival story for these humans who are trapped in a town and can't, which is run by vampires and can't get out. They were just wildly addictive. Like I just remember you would, when I discovered her, she already had a bunch of books out in her um, Morganville vampire series. And I just remember flying through them and being being unable to put them down. So yeah, if you've never read a Rachel Kane book, she's prolific. She's got lo lots of different series and I, I recommend I haven't read all of them. I recommend, I feel confident recommending all of them though because all of her books that I have read and I've, I've read many of them have been good. So I was sad to hear of her passing. Well, thank you for, for sharing that with us, Sarah. Um, and uh, yeah, um, that is really tragic, sad news. Um, so before we move on um, into the books that we're reading, uh, we are sponsored this week by a book. We are sponsored this week uh, by All the Ugly and Wonderful Things by Bryn Greenwood. As the daughter of a drug dealer, Wavi knows not to trust people, not even her own parents. It's safer to keep her mouth shut and stay out of sight. Struggling to raise her little brother, Donald, eight-year-old Wavi is the only responsible adult around. Obsessed with the constellations, she finds peace in the starry night sky above the fields behind her house, until one night her stargazing causes an accident. After witnessing his motorcycle wreck, she forms an unusual friendship with one of her father's thugs, Kellen, a tattooed ex-con with a heart of gold. By the time Wavi is a teenager, her relationship with Kellen is the only tender thing in a brutal world of addicts and debauchery. When tragedy rips Wavi's family apart, a well-meaning aunt steps in, and what is beautiful to Wavi looks ugly under the scrutiny of the outside world. Kellen may not be innocent, but he is the fixed point in Wavi and Donald's chaotic universe. Instead of playing it safe, Wavi has to learn to fight for Kellen, for her brother, and for herself. All the Ugly and Wonderful Things by Bryn Greenwood is published on the 17th of November 2020 through Booktopia Editions. All right. What are we reading? What books do we want to discuss today? Let's start with Scott. What have you got today? Well, I've got a fiction and a non-fiction, because I'm one of those people that likes to alternate between the two. <laughs> and the non-fiction I've just uh, been reading, which I found fascinating, is called The Bridesmaid's Daughter by Nina Giles, G-I-L-E-S. And uh, its subtitle is From Grace Kelly's Wedding to a Homeless Shelter, Searching for the Truth About My Mother. 
And uh, Nina Giles's mother's name was Carolyn Schaefer-Scott, and she uh, went from small town USA to New York in 1947, I think, to become a model. She was very attractive, and she was staying in the Barbizon Hotel, where on the same floor, a young Grace Kelly, who also came to New York to be a model, was uh, staying, and they became firm friends. Grace Kelly wasn't famous yet. She wasn't a, a Hollywood actress. That happened later, and all the way through, she stayed very close uh, to Carolyn, and Carolyn ended up being one of her bridesmaids that you know we all saw in those amazing pictures that uh, are available widely of that great wedding in Monaco where they all had these incredible white dresses and hats, and she came over by boat with, with Grace Kelly um, before she married Prince Rainier, became uh, Princess Grace of the shocking story of this book is uh, one day uh, Nina Giles was in a supermarket and she saw a tabloid newspaper with a headline saying Princess Grace Bridesmaid now in homeless shelter and she realised that sort of the family secret was now public that her mother had suffered for years with mental health, uh, had postpartum um, um, depression, it had never really been diagnosed. Um, she'd had a very strange childhood. Nina, her mother, kept her locked at home and said, you're sick, you can't go to school. Um, had a very difficult childhood because of her mother's undiagnosed mental illness. And really, it's a, it's a love story, you could say, between a mother and a daughter. And she goes on this journey to try and understand what had happened to her mother, her mother's tragedy of uh, you know, highlighting mental health issues. And there's alternating chapters between Carolyn's story um, and her daughter's story, she tries to put together her mother's story, and you get great insight into uh, the life of Grace Kelly, Princess Grace, and uh, what happened in her career too. But it's really a portrait of a mother and a daughter and highlighting issues of mental health and what can happen when they go um, undiagnosed or untreated. But a really interesting biography and uh, kind of, as I said, a love letter from a daughter to a mother, the bridesmaid's daughter. Is that a, a new book, Scott? Uh, it came out um, earlier this year. Um, it's one that uh, Booktopia Publisher Services distributes. At September, um, publishers in the UK published it. And uh, I think it's about a year old now, but new to the Australian market. Now, orderable. And, you know, I, I like family memoir. I like uh, cinema history. And uh, this has got, you know, the two, the two together. And it's also very touching to read a story like this about, about mental health, uh, yeah. which, of course, in the day, in the 40s and 50s, was just never discussed. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, Scott, it, it almost sounds like the perfect Scott book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like a bit of royal history. I like biography. Uh, I like, a, like to have a, a good cry too, a bit of drama. <laughs> yeah, it all comes together in this book. But uh, I think anyone who enjoys nonfiction and, and family memoir, and, and I like the puzzle of a family memoir where, you know, because the daughter's trying to put together the story of her mother and what had happened to her and what had gone wrong. So it's got a bit of a mystery to it, also a true life mystery. The, um, the novel I've been reading is also one that just came out last month. That's another one we, we distribute by Joanne Fedler, who's been a best-selling uh, Australian author for a while. I say Australian author, she's originally South African, but she lived in Australia for many years in Sydney. And her new novel is called Unbecoming. Um, you know, she's been described by one reviewer as... Uh, 
kind of the um, Leanne Mor- next Leanne Moriarty of Australia or Ireland's next Marion Keys. And I'm sure Joe Fedler would be very happy to take on the mantle of Ireland's <laughs> and have that description. But it's a, it's a good description of her writing because like those other authors, she really tackles well everyday relationships, family, life issues that everybody can relate to. And in this case, it's a story of a woman coincidentally named Joe, which is interesting to note, the same as the author, uh, who is asked by her best friend Fiona to go on a sacred walk with her uh, to commemorate her 57th birthday. And it's her first birthday since uh, Fiona's husband has died. And it's a, a bush walk and going out in the bush with these other friends of Fiona's. And Joe thinks, what the hell, I might as well. But in the process of being out in the bush, which is beyond her normal comfort zone, and chatting with these other women, all these issues come out about what it's like to be a woman your 50s and in Joe's case having young adult children who've made life choices that she doesn't understand and worrying where her marriage is going with her husband Frank and asking herself who am I anymore anyway now that I've finished raising my kids and I'm at this new stage of of life uh, which I like the way Joe describes it on the brink of elderhood uh, do I need to redefine myself as many women do what's next for me and what's my life hold now that I've been the wife and mother and, and uh, in my late 50s, what am I going to do? And uh, Jo happens to be in her 50s. Um, she has written other books about you know facing life issues at different stages of women's lives. And it was really quite entertaining, quite insightful about uh, issues that women face of a certain age and uh, also quite entertaining, very light, but a really good story, uh, unbecoming. Uh, it's got a lovely jacket also, incidentally, with uh, Australian sort of wish um, themes in it. Uh, and its subtitle is, There are secrets in the wild country they call midlife. So I recommend that to everyone. Excellent. Thanks for those uh, picks, Scott. They both sound fantastic. And uh, both available now at booktopia.com.au. Absolutely. Thanks for saying. Um, uh, Sarah. Uh, we'll go to you next. What, what, are, what have you brought today? Okay, so I want to talk about two books. One is a kid's middle grade fiction book and the other one is hard to put in a genre. I guess it's adult, but it's also popular with teenagers. It's non-fiction, but it's a graphic novel. It is Solutions and Other Problems by Ali Broch. Um, I don't know. I'm going to just give, for the people listening, I don't know if any of you are familiar um, with Ali Broch in the podcast, but um, for the people listening, I'm going to give a little crash course on who she is. She runs a, a blog called Hyperbole and a Half um, that was re- became really, really popular in like, I guess, the early noughties. And if you've been on the internet anytime in the last 10 years, you've probably seen a meme based on one of her cartoons. She has that one uh, like she she just kind of draws like stick figure versions of herself and have you seen the cartoon that has like a little stick figure and a pink shirt holding a um, pitchfork with an explosion behind us that says clean all the things but people change it to be like buy all the books or like do all the whatever so if you've seen that meme that's Ali Broch's um, work that went viral like a whole bunch of times and she just became really famous for this blog of little cartoons that she would do that would deal with um, all all kinds of topics. Like a lot of them are about her childhood, but a lot of them are about her struggles with mental health and um, anxiety. And they're super funny and super relatable. And in 2013, she came out with a book called Hyperbole and a Half. Um, 
unfortunate situations, flawed coping mechanisms, mayhem and other things that happen. So long title, but it's um, a fantastic book that I have like revisited time and again over the years because it makes you laugh till you cry. Like, and you're also crying a little bit because you relate. Like, it's just, it's a, she's, she's a genius, I truly feel, but she vanished. So she released that book in 2013 and dropped completely offline. Um, her blog didn't get updated. Her social media sort of shut down. And for seven years, people um, have been worried about her and, and wondering what happened to her. And there was all, there's this book, Solutions and Other Problems, has been supposedly coming out like every year since then. So it's one of those books. I'm sure we've all been in this situation where you're really looking forward to a book and it has gone past its publication date and just becomes this thing every now and then you check on Goodreads and just see, is there a new publication date? Is it going to come out soon? And so um, Solutions and Other Problems by Ali Broch has been one of those books for me. I've been like periodically checking on this book to see if it was going to come out on the numerous different publication dates that were <laughs> attached to it over the last seven years. And, um, and now it's out. And it is wonderful. It's like if you, I strongly urge you, if anything I'm saying seems even remotely interesting, go to the Hyperbole and a Half website. She has posted a chapter from the book in it. It's a little story called Richard. Um, I can't do it justice, but I will just briefly say that it's a story from her childhood, which are often the funniest ones. And in her stories about her childhood, she always is really talking about something that is like, the first instance of a character trait that she will carry with her into adulthood. And this one is her sort of how awkward she can be when she's trying to connect with someone. So when she's interested in someone or would like to be friends with someone, she has an intensity that can often freak people out. And she got obsessed with her neighbour when she was a little girl and it's very funny. <laughs> and I, I think if you check that out and if you like that comic um, on her on her website called Richard. It's a great example of what the book is like and you should definitely get the book. Solutions and Other Problems by Ali Brosh. Thanks, uh, thanks, Sarah. I, I had no idea that she was that she was back. I, I was somebody who back in the day used to love um, a family and a half. And um, yeah, I read something about her having like some serious kind of anxiety and depression and that that's why she'd... She had of... a really rough time. Her marriage ended, her, her sister died like there's reasons why she's been gone um and actually because I follow her on Facebook she's been doing this like thing where she's been uploading photos from the last seven years to sort of show what she did in that time and it's just this little photo diary that she keeps updating now and then and it's so funny like because she's just I mean you know what people are like when they're online updating people about their life she's just so real about it she's like here I am hanging out in a car park and like I did that for a while and <laughs> I don't know I can't it's so hard if you're familiar with her humor you'll know what I mean Mark but she's just extremely honest extremely vulnerable very funny very relatable and yeah, just so talented and I'm so glad that she's back <laughs> While, while you've been talking, I've opened up um, Richard in another tab and I'm just glancing at it and already it's like, yeah, okay. Oh, so good. A, <laughs> we could talk about that all podcast, but let's move on to your other book. 
Okay, my other book is um, called We Are Wolves by Katrina Nanister. Um, this book blew me away. I've been sort of aware of Katrina Nanistad because she has that delightful middle grade series, which I've, I'm not going to be able to get the name of it right, but it's um, the, the girl, the dog, and the and the writer in Provence or, you know, they've got, I've just murdered that. But, like, it's, they're, they're, it's a beautiful, charming series and I've always wanted to check it out, but I just haven't. And then along comes We Are Wolves, which is a very different kind of book. It's a middle grade, but it's historical fiction set during World War II and looks, you know, judging on the blurb and the cover, it looks tonally very different from her delightful, charming, funny books. And so I so the, I went into it and it absolutely captured my imagination. This is one of those books where when you're reading it, you feel like you're reading a future classic it's just it's the sort of book that schools I'm sure are going to pick up and give to kids it's a story about um it's about three German siblings the eldest is about 13 then there's a a, a girl and then the boy is I think around about 10 and then there's a little eight or ten and then there's a little one one to two year old baby and they are they live in sort of East Prussia during the war and they are obviously displaced in their home and then while they are trying to cross um, the border into uh, Lithuania they are um, separated from their parents and well the father has died in the war they're separated from their mother and grandparents and then what follows is just this story of them trying to survive and I can't it sounds grim and it is like she doesn't shy away from the subject matter but her writing is magical and full of hope and full of love and so the whole time that you're reading it you don't get overwhelmed by the sadness but it is engrossing it's similar to the Morris Gleitzman series that after um, the after series about Felix in terms of how readable it is and how propulsive the story is like you they're going from one like survival situation to the next so it's really hard to put it down but oh they're beautiful and it's based on the true story of um, tens of thousands of children I had no idea of this but tens of thousands of uh, orphaned children in that area in East Prussia during and immediately following World War II lived wild in the forest they were called the wolf's kinder and they just um totally like they had they had, they had no family and so they lived like wild in the woods and would you know um, scavenge stuff from towns and then go back to the woods and live like that for you know eight years until they could be found and rehomed so it was um, it was a beautiful book and I really really enjoyed reading it and I highly recommend it and anyone listening to the podcast if, if you like the sound of We Are Wolves we actually recorded a podcast with Katrina Nanestad and I she talks about the book much more eloquently than I'm able to, so I would highly recommend going and listening to that um, if you would like to know more. Excellent. Thank you for that, Sarah. Um, Liv, what have you brought along today? Uh, just like heads up, I've been reading The Richard Story for the last five minutes and trying not to laugh. <laughs> oh, highly fresh. I'm so happy that I've succeeded, but it is, it is a joy, so... <laughs> I'm going to have to give a shout out to Ali Brosh as well. Um, but sorry, Sarah, I, I've heard you talk about We Are Wolves before, so I figured I wasn't missing much. 
Oh no, I'm delighted at the idea that you're going to potentially read solutions and other problems, and then we. Can oh, it's so good. Anyway, um, what I've actually been reading um, for the past few weeks. Okay, so backstory. I made the disastrous decision to pursue a master's in English um, at University of Sydney, and it's come time to do my thesis. And I am doing my thesis on an Anglo-Irish writer called Elizabeth Bowen. And she's a, she was a contemporary of um, Virginia Woolf, James Joyce. She was kind of part of the modernist movement, but still separate from it. Um, new people like Catherine Mansfield, but no one really talks about her that much. And uh, gonna give a throwback to good old John Purcell, who used to work at Booktopia. Um, we were talking about um, Sally Rooney at one point. And he said, have you ever read Elizabeth Bowen? I'm like, yes, I did. In um, undergrad uni, I read The Heat of the Day. And it was really good. And he's like, you should read a book called The Death of the Heart. And I did. And I really, really liked it. Um, and then when I was, when it came time to pick, you know, a topic for my thesis, I decided to go with Elizabeth Bowen. So I've been rereading for the past few weeks, uh, The Death of the Heart, which is this story of a young adolescent girl named Portia. Oh, she's 16. Um, she's the product of an affair, um, but her father ended up divorcing his wife and marrying her mother. But both her parents are now dead and she's come to live in London um, with her step with her um, brother, half-brother, Thomas. And she it's just about this really intensely, beautifully written story of this young girl trying to make her way in the world. Um, and come to terms with kind of the awful state of the world. It's set in 1939 or 30, it's pre-World War II, so things are getting tense, um, even though those kind of things aren't directly mentioned, like the war and anything, but um, there's just this building sense of tension that she's come to realise just kind of how terrible the world is around her. And then she falls disastrously in love with this friend of her brother's, Eddie, who just is a bit of a cat and it's just the story of her trying to grow up and come of age um, in this terrible world. And if you've never read Elizabeth Bowen or heard of her, I really recommend that you do. Um, she's written other novels called like The Last September, The Heat of the Day, like I mentioned, um, and The House in Paris. And I just think the way that she writes um, a youth perspective, like she writes, which isn't something that you really, and that's what I found so compelling about it. So I've been reading that um, and also over the last weekend I read Zadie Smith's um, collection of essays called Intimations and it's just six brilliant like wonderfully written essays about life in lockdown and about the world the state of the world um, written in Zadie Smith's inimitable style like any if you have read any of her non-fiction before which I actually think I enjoy more than her fiction um, she just writes so with such personality and she just makes your brain stretch and you think about things in completely different ways and like she can spin an entire essay out of the experience of sitting in a park and looking at a patch of tulips like I love Zadie Smith um and if you hadn't read Intimations um it's available now uh I really recommend it all right, fantastic. Thank you so much for those, Liv. Uh, now we're going to wrap up with our book quiz that we like to call Book Fight. So are we all dukes are up. We're all ready to... to uh, uh, my least favourite part of the and Wachtovian. <laughs> I always fail miserably, but anyway, we'll give it our best shot. 
Okay, well... Don't worry, Scott. I, I, I fail. I will, I will be failing today. After receiving some very pointed feedback after the last couple of quizzes, <laughs> I've, um, I've, I've picked all these questions from the internet, so they should be like... But Mark, the thing I like most about Book, book Fight is I, I, your questions and how impossible they are to answer. If you've taken that out of it, then what am I going to hold on to? Well, let's, let's, let's see. I mean, it's still obviously flavoured by my choices. Okay, as good. long as you've got a few internet, because I, I, I've memorised the internet, so that's fine. <laughs> All right, so um, our buzz-in words. What words are we going to use to buzz in to reserve the the, the answer? Uh, Scott, what word are you going to use as your buzzer? Well, at the time of recording, it's raining, so I think I'll say rain. Okay. Sarah? Uh, I'm going to say Richard. And Lee? <laughs> Damn it. Um, I'm going to say Sour Patch because I have an open packet of Sour Patch Kids on my desk. Okay. Okay. I've been on. Book quiz. Uh, book fight, rather. Let's go. Tana French's series <laughs> that begins with In the Woods is set in which city? I've read that book and I can't remember. <laughs> Sour Patch Kids? Yeah, Liv. Ah, uh, she's Irish, so I'm gonna go with Dublin. Correct. Ah, what? That's the Dublin Murder Squad series. So there you go. All right, Liv. Oh, there you go. All right, question two. Which of her own characters did Agatha Christie once call detestable, <laughs> bombastic, tiresome? Richard. Selfatch. Uh, Sarah. Sarah got in first. Uh, Hercule Poirot. Very good. <laughs> okay, question three. Uh, a couple of like political book questions given what's going on in the world this week. Uh, what was the name of the pig leader in Animal Farm? He had a name? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I can't remember. I decades ago. <laughs> I thought it was just pig one. Uh, he shares, shares the name with a famous uh, leader from history. Oh, um, Richard. Yeah? It's not Trotsky. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I think that? I'm like, famous leader from history. Earlier than Trotsky. Yeah, earlier than that. Um, oh, what? Ryan? Scott. T- total guess, Caesar? No. Can we give up? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. Napoleon. Oh, oh of course. Yeah. Jesus. All right. Sarah was a century too late and I was centuries too early. <laughs> <laughs> I was tying um, Animal Farm a little bit too closely to things I studied um, as referential texts uh, in high school. <laughs> All right, next question. Sticking with George Orwell for a moment. What year was 1984 published? Sour Patch. Liv. Was it 1948? Oh, you are so close, but no. No! Uh, Rain? What? 1947? 
Ah, uh, wrong direction. <laughs> Richard. Sour Patch. 1946. No, wrong direction. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1949. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, I really dislike quizzes, guys. I really do. Right. Sarah, you like those game shows where they say the showcase price higher or lower, and they say lower, and you say a higher price. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm like I'm also one of those pe purse people who frequently gets no the other left your other left that's me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. We're moving away from George Orwell and we're moving firmly into the realm of um, Moby Dick. What was the uh, name of Captain Ahab's ship? Oh, uh, Richard, yep. the Pequod. Very good. <laughs> All right. Next question. What is the name of Barack Obama's forthcoming memoir? Sour Patch. <laughs> Sour Patch. Live, live, live. Um, A Promised Land, um, The Presidential okay. Memoir, Volume 1. A Promised yeah. Land, yeah. A Promised Land. All right. Can't remember what I said. So we've got one question to go. Uh, Points check. Uh, we've got Olivia on three, Sarah on two, Scott yet to score, but yeah, destroyed my life. <laughs> let's see how we go. So I often ask about the opening line of a novel. Uh, I'm switching it around this week. Which novel closes with the line? So we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Oh, oh, Sal Patch. Live. Is it Great Gatsby? It is Great Gatsby. Is it The Great Gatsby? Oh, yeah. Yes. You're so good. <laughs> well done. So, uh, Liv, uh, you have one book quiz uh, again. I'm so obnoxious. What is the prize? What's the prize, Mark? What does the winner get? Because Liv does the, uh, the blog on the Booktopia site, so she's always reading about every every book. <laughs> maybe you've got a advantage, or maybe I should just read more classics. Well, I and thought... doing a master's in um in well, English literature, so <laughs> yeah, that'll help. Good yeah, idea, Liv. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, maybe maybe next time I will I will just go to my bookshelf and I'll just pull out all the bizarre, weird, random science fiction that I've got and I'll paste it on that. That was yeah, the funnest well, quiz ever when he's not all right. It was fun anyway. I hope everyone enjoyed it and they enjoy our recommendations, get some good reading from it this, this month. Yes. Thank you guys for, for joining me today. Thanks everyone for listening. And uh, Weekend Booktopian is produced by Nick Vasiliev. You can find links to the books we've discussed today in the episode description, or you can find them on booktopia.com.au. You can listen to all of our shows for free on SoundCloud and iTunes, including our recent interview with Sir Peter Cosgrove. Until next time, thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.